We go to work, and when we're off, we whine about our day. We sip our cares away, and you can do the same, cause you're in a safe place when you're whining with nurses. Storygram Network. Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. Hey guys, Sarah here. Before we get started with the show, I just want to let you know that because of the pandemic that we're all currently living in, all of the episodes going forward um, were recorded with Zoom, so the quality of the sound is going to be different than what you normally expect. Also, we recorded these episodes ahead of time, so what you're hearing from us doesn't reflect what's currently going on in the world. Who knows what's going on in the world by the time you hear these. Hopefully we're doing better and getting a grip on this crisis. Anyway, hope you enjoy the show. Cheers. Here we are. Welcome. Hi. It's Whining with Nurses. Nailed it. (laughs) I've been practicing. I've been working on that. That was beautiful. I like to, you know, go into my falsetto every once in a while and not use my regular, like, baritone voice that I have. Um, you've got a lot of range over there, Desi. <laughs> a lot of range. I'm quite talented is what I heard. <laughs> I'm that person that holds out of my mirror. <laughs> well, welcome, everybody. You're listening to Whining with Nurses, the podcast where uh, we're nurses and we drink wine and wine about nursing. It's a pretty complex, you know, platform we've got here. Did you catch the the pun, the whining with nurses? I can explain it again, everyone. I think, yeah, we, let's go over it one more time. Get the whiteboard out. I need some visual cues here. Okay, gonna... so if you take a glass of wine and you add nurses and then you divide by the complications of the nursing career and then that equals whining with nurses. Oh, all right. Okay. All right. Well, I think this is a really good idea. We should roll with it. <laughs> how are you Desi I'm all right how are you the same maybe yeah. a little better than all right I'm okay okay oh whoa. I'm, I'm okay strong adjectives tonight I you know what can we expect it's November it's crazy it's 2020 I think fine and okay are perfectly acceptable descriptors of life right now <laughs> Like that's on the up, upward swing of happiness. So it's, <laughs> it's pretty sad. I like used to be the self-proclaimed happiest person in the world. And a lot of times I still feel like that, but not this year. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> well, should we uh, just catch everyone up a little bit? Like the last episode that aired was the one about the hospital evacuation and that harrowing story. So Yes. Our hospital's so, been evacuated again. Yeah, I feel like we spoke something much more potent into existence. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, our hospital was evacuated for a second time in under like 35 days. Um, I actually had, I think, the good fortune to work that night um, and was like one part of the first few people that saw the fire starting on the adjacent hillside to our hospital. Cause you could see it from my room. 
Um, and it was like a 15 hour shift and we safely, um, evacuated everybody out. Um, and yeah, I asked, so as everybody knows, I'm like the, a new ICU nurse. Um, and they were going around. What? what? So they were early in the process. They're going around they're like, all right, we need to like categorize who needs to be evacuated out first, who has the most critical patient and, you know, different nurses were having to like team huddle, different nurses are going over, you know, who's intubated, how many drips, blah, blah, blah. And they get to me and I like accidentally ended up with the most critical patient on the floor. Uh, Oh, yeah, I was intubated on, on like seven drips and I had been working my butt off all night. It was already not a very good evening for me um, because they decided to postpone dialysis and he really should have had emergent dialysis. So I was just chasing potassiums all night. Hmm. And Were you doing that whole like give all, pushing all the meds and to bring it yeah. down and like insulin and dextrose and all that? Yeah. That's my least favorite way to do that, insulin and dextrose. Oh yeah. And, and he had a, a femoral line and he was like 300 and some odd pounds and it would kink. And so to push bicarb and dextrose and calcium gluconate, I think it was, and all these like really big syringes into that tiny line. I, I was like, my biceps were sore for that reason <laughs> that next day. And because we ended up um, evacuating him first. We we flew him out to I don't I don't even remember which hospital anymore, um, and we had like everybody was really enthusiastic and helpful. And I had like fifteen people in the room to transfer him onto the gurney to then take him to the helipad. But then wow. when we got to the helipad, it was me, the like um, flight nurse, and a like quite out of shape security guard. And I'm like, oh, so I guess we have to get him like lifted up this four inch differential between the gurney and the helicopter. And he's 350 pounds, you know, <laughs> where's everybody. <laughs> so where's anyway, 15 people. Yeah. I could have used one or two. So yeah. Uh, like I said, I felt like we spoke something into existence there. I carried a little superstitious guilt about it. Okay. I know exactly what you mean because so lately I've hardly been working at the hospital at all because I've been at the office full-time pretty much covering cat's maternity leave. Hey cat. And, um, (laughs) yeah. Uh, so, but the last two times I worked or two of the last times that I worked in the past couple months at, at the end of my shift, it was feeling weird. And then one of the times they evacuated immediately after I left. And the next time it was the morning after. So I feel like, am I bringing bad luck to the hospital? Yeah. Fire luck. I don't know. Are you like a fire sign? Is that a thing in horoscopes? Virgo. What is that? I don't know. Somebody give us some of the 411 on that. We'll get back. I think it's the sign of um, perfection. It's like Mary Poppins is a Virgo. And wait, you that's know. Aquarius, I think. I don't know. I, that's just what I like to think of myself. <laughs> um, so just to like update everybody, our hospital's been um, temporarily closed right now because uh, fire did damage the surrounding areas that supply utilities to the facility. So we've just been cruising in limbo. I'm happy you've been working. I will save my um, opinion or whatever. I don't even know my comments on that 
uh, for the end, my wine, mm -hmm. because that is my wine. So anyways, speaking God, of Sarah bring, and her damn job. Oh, <laughs> no, not you having the job. I know. I'm kidding. So anyways, <laughs> uh, speaking of um, like superstitious guilt, that kind of dovetails nice, nicely into our topic for the day. It does. But you know what? I completely forgot. What are you drinking over there? Oh my gosh. You're right. I just skipped right over it. Well, to be fair, I opened it before we even started. I couldn't help myself. Oh my God. So did I. Oh, so we'll have to make a fake cork noise. So I'm drinking, it's called Wild Thing. It's an old vine Zinfandel out of Mendocino County. Um, I know that wine. I drink it all the time. No way. It's, pretty it's a Carol Shelton and I'm drinking Carol Shelton too. Get out of town. No way. We didn't even plan this, which is no. we're using fake voices to like <laughs> act like this is a surprise, but it's an actual surprise. This is just what we sound like. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. What are you drinking of hers? I've got her 2015 uh, King Ridge cab. Ooh. Yeah. Delicious. Oh, uh, that pour the body on that looks really like bootalicious. You know what? She does Zinfandel so well. Like Carol Shelton is, is really well known for her Zins in Sonoma County. And um, like she wins tons of awards. And this Cabernet almost tastes a little like a Zin. Like it's kind of fruit forward, but it's, um, and it, but it's so full bodied like a, well, I know Zins can be full bodied too, but some of hers are a little bit lighter on the palate. Okay. This is a full bodied cab. Nice. I like. What do you think well, of the wild things in? What do I think of it? Mm -hmm. uh, I like it. You know, I, I actually purchased it because I like the bottle. It, um, I've been making candles out of like cutting glass bottles and making candles out of them. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody has a COVID craft and that's mine. Um, anyways, and the bottle's beautiful. It has like this, uh, old vine painted on it. And so um, I've been pleasantly surprised sometimes, you know, like kitschy bottles or like you, you buy a bottle knowing you're falling for the advertising and labeling of it. And it ends up being kind of a crap wine. Mm -hmm. I've had that happen a lot cause I'm an easy catch. Um, but this one's really good. I really like, it's like, uh, it's pretty bold, but it's not super dry, which is kind of a hard balance to find, I think in, in, uh, Zen. That's one of my favorite go-to like any day of the week wines. Cause it's not super expensive, but it's so good. It's yeah. really good. Yeah. Those are important wines to have. They, yeah. I call them porch sippers. <laughs> <laughs> it's a regular old Tuesday night getting lit. <laughs> That's right. Wine coming up on a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> well, nice. Cheers then. Let's start us off with a nice cheers. Here we cheers. go. Nice. <laughs> okay. So we, uh, you were talking about getting into our topic, which was kind of tied with our, uh, what was it? Our, we, we brought some bad fortune onto the hospital or something or. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, well, just kind of superstition. Um, yes. and like personally, I am a very superstitious nurse. I, um, when, you know, if I, if somebody's texting me during a shift and they ask how the night's going, I never say it's going good. I never say it's going well. I never say, uh, it's pretty quiet. I never even say, um, the Q word. Uh, no, the cursed Q word. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously you don't say the Q word, but 
I, I won't even say it's going well. I will just say, oh, it's going. Because ah. I just like, I, I get so scared internally that, oh my God, what I just do to myself. <laughs> so, so on that topic, I got to thinking like, okay, obviously like, you know, baseball players, superstitious nurses. I think by nature, we're superstitious. We don't want to do anything that's going to make our shift or the patient's condition worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of sparked the idea between you and I of nursing intuition. So that's our topic for the day. That's right. Intuition yeah. and superstition. Ooh, <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. I actually thought, well, I got to, anyways, moving forward. I think <laughs> it's okay. So nurses intuition, it's a total real and quantifiable thing. Okay, but let me let me say something on that because I, I was uh, listening to another podcast. It, I cannot remember what it's called, but it's done by an ER physician, and they're really good. and And he brought up the topic of nurses' intuition, and I don't think that he was questioning if it was real or not. But it made me think: Is it always just this? He said often it's related to respiratory rate. You know, people notice a change in respiratory rate, and maybe they haven't actually counted it and identified that their respiratory rate has increased. Anyway, so it just made me think, okay, is it always that? But then I had to think about other times when I've used my nursing intuition. And I agree with you. It's real. It's quantifiable. It's not always just respiratory rate. Yeah. And so a lot of um, like, uh, what even are they like peer reviewed journals have looked into it since the 1980s. They looked into it into the, in the nursing career And, um, they looked at like a five-year review of studies that were published. So they did a bit of a meta-analysis and it showed that nurses intuition was imperative to the complex decision-making of a nurse. And I think out of that, like back in the eighties, think of all the technological advancements that have like been created to assist the nurse's intuition, like sepsis scores or muse alerts. Mm-hmm. Like those are things I think that grew out of us noticing really um, subtle early symptoms and being able to flag it and then bring it together for the bigger picture. Yeah, that's really interesting because, and it seems like those things have only come about in recent years. Like when I first became a nurse, we didn't have sepsis and muse alerts. There was hard, there was hardly anything that would just alert you, you know. Yeah. Plus, not everything was on electronic charting yeah. at the time. Yeah. Well, how I feel like a lot of the time, like we are already um, kind of prioritizing a patient or being hyper vigilant with a patient in regards to their their declining condition way before a sepsis or muse score comes, don't you think? I think so. Yeah, it's like if you, yeah, it, it's it is a gut feeling, but it's more than a gut feeling. It's like that feeling comes from somewhere that you know something bad's about to happen, mm-hmm. or yeah, someone's on the the downslope. Um, and I think, um, sometimes, um, for me, when I am calling it or identifying it as my own intuition, maybe it's because, um, it's like, I know something's happening and I haven't been able to put all the pieces together yet and give, uh, reasons and examples. That's what Ryan and I always say (laughs) to each other. We need reasons and examples when we're arguing. Um, so it's like, I haven't put all the pieces of the puzzle 
together yet to be like, I think it's this, but mm-hmm. I know that this isn't right. And that's not right. And I just have a bad feeling about it, you know, when combined. Yeah. And so it's like, it's pattern recognition. Yeah. Like I was thinking about it. Um, and, and I was talking with somebody about like the ability of the body to compensate. Our bodies are designed to compensate for, for, um, like mess, like, uh, I don't know what the word, I want to say like fuck ups in the, <laughs> in the processes, right. Our yeah. body, like collateral circulation or, um, when your blood pressure drops, your heart rate raises, like those are just innate processes in the body because the body wants to find homeostasis. So Mm -hmm. some of those changes can be so subtle that, um, they're not like, like you can't see them in the data, but the nurse, I think, and really good nurses and really experienced nurses know that before the data is available. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think some of the, the studies that we were looking at, um, could, identify that too. So, um, there was one, uh, was it the fifth vital sign? Yeah. Um, the numbers on that. Yeah. It, which was, oh, I didn't write down where that study was published at, was but published out of the journal of American medical informatics association in 2019. Thank you. <laughs> You're the bomb. Um, and that was the one with like, where they, they came up with a worry factor. Uh, where nurses could kind of give a score to patients based on how worried they were or how concerned they were that the patient would deteriorate zero through five. So zero was no worry. So that's, and then one was just slightly worried. Um, and then anything three or two through four, um, am I right in the zero through four? Anyway. Yeah. The, it was the, the five, five point zero to four. So zero yeah. one, three, four. And, um, yeah, they actually showed that 70, like they would ask the nurse um, what their worry factor is. And at, out of the 492 potential deterioration events identified by these nurses, 380 of them, which are, is 77%, what turned out to be true, meaning 77% of this roughly 500 amount of deterioration ca- cases were predicted by nurses, which is huge. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wonder, like, I wonder, like, what if you have any stories about, like, did you ever have a feeling, um, and you weren't able to maybe convince a doctor of, you know, someone's deterioration, but you had, you know, you're you were using your intuition and you were trying to convince someone of it, and they weren't like, they weren't um, going along with you. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure every you know, like, moderately experienced nurse has that you know, cause it, like, it's that feeling of, I've definitely had post-surgical patients where I can tell that I can intervene in a way that will help them. It's not necessarily that, you know, they're going to crash, but they're deteriorating slowly. And, you know, at, on night shift, bothering a surgeon about a situation where the patient's not going to crash, but you can help them in a little way. It's, it's kind of this balance of, is it worth it? So I've definitely had those situations where I thought it was and went ahead and contacted the surgeon and definitely heard a, an earful about it. (laughs) Um, I had, where, sorry, I'm looking at my notes and I'm, I'm trying to find my stories. Oh yeah. Cause there were a couple of times when this happened. And one time it actually ended up in a patient dying. And I, 
Yeah, so I'll tell you that one. The other two are, are less less exciting after you hear this one. But there was one time when I was working on a travel nurse assignment, and um, this patient, he wasn't looking good for a long time. Like his blood pressure was low all the time. And I can't remember, this was, I don't know, probably seven years ago. So I don't remember what the exact circumstances were, but his blood pressure was super low every time. And then I would, you know, someone, one of the techs would take his blood pressure. They would come tell me, I would go in, I would try and, you know, wake him up. This was on night shift. And I'm like, well, maybe if we get him awake, his blood pressure will come up. Obviously it will. So, but I couldn't get him to wake up and I would shake him and shake him. And he seemed really uptended. So I would call the doctor and the doctor would get there. And by that point I had been shaking and shaking him so much that now he's a little more alert. And the doctor would come and she would say, he's fine. He's talking to me. And I'm like, yeah, but it took me, you know, this whole time to get him to this point. Look what his blood pressures have been. And she kind of, you know, dismissed it. And we did this three times that night where I was like, hey, his blood pressure's really low. He's really lethargic. And by the time she got there, he was a little more alert. So, um, you know, I don't know if this was just a factor of night shift and, and that doctor had too many patients and really couldn't take, you know, focus on what take I was it. saying, or, yeah, take it, take it too seriously because of all the other things going on. And um, so when the morning team came in and there's a lot more, you know, support, more doctors, more nurses and staff in general, and I reported to them what had happened, they ended up transferring the patient to the ICU immediately, but he died that day. And so okay. I know, I know it's just like thinking about, okay, well, I knew something was wrong. And I, the, the only thing I could think to tell her, you know, was like his blood pressure's low and he's not responsive. And like, I didn't know how to put together the pieces of like, this is what I think's happening. I don't remember what it is now, but looking back, I mean, it could have been that he was septic. It could have been, you know, a dialysis related issue. I really can't remember exactly what was going on with them, but it's just like, it's so crazy. knew something was bad. <laughs> you know, I've um, had, now that you just, you know, tell that story, you know, I have like images of similar situations ha that have happened to me. Not that I can recall that anybody passed, but um, one habit I've like tried to develop is especially working on the telemetry floor that it's very high acuity. You have four patients, it's busy, you know, and it's hard to see the, the grand scheme, the bigger picture of a patient's condition. Um, one thing I started to do is I would call the charge nurse in to get to lay eyes on my patient and I would go out of the room and like have a place to compose a text or to call the doctor and quiet, like, so I could think, you know, cause when you're in, you know, there's, it's hard to wrap your brain around the whole situation, but once you have a minute to it's, you see it way more clearly. That's a good idea. And I know exactly what you mean. Cause if you're in there and it's happening and then you're like, just kind of processing what's happening. So you start, if you're texting the doctor at that time, I feel like I end up just listing things like this happened, this happened, this happened, and not really putting it together as a story, you know, or something that makes sense that maybe it would make sense to them if they were there looking at the patient with you, but they're not. That's the point of your well-composed text. Totally. So yeah. And, and just to wrap up that um, study that we talked about the fifth vital sign, um, they, with the worry factors, they saw that with uh, worry factors of uh, like, worry factor ratings of three or more. So the nurse was moderately to severely concerned about the patient. That patient was 40 times more likely to require an ICU transfer within 24 hours. So, wow. I mean, I, I don't know if this really speaks to a nurse's intuition more than just like 
an, the nursing job. They're at the bedside with the patient. They see the subtle changes early. They know their patients, you know, and so they have a, I think a greater grasp on what's going on with the patient than the doctors have it like 90% of the time. Yeah. You know, um, I think that's a really good point. And I think that they're in some hospitals, especially larger hospitals, they've put, um, they put things in, in place like roles for nurses that where they go around, for example, there's a, a nurse that I know and part of her job is to visit all the units in the hospital a few times each day and just kind of ask about, do you have any patients that you feel like are deteriorating or maybe going to need an ICU bed at some point today, which I think is really a great idea because one, they can start thinking about, do we have any ICU patients that we can move off to another floor so that we can make room in the ICU? And, you know, then that nurse, their primary role for the day, one is being the code nurse, this particular person I'm thinking of. And the other thing is just, they can help keep an eye on those things so they can get into the patient chart and, and kind of look out for clinical data that might, you know, back that up, like, oh, they are deteriorating. Um, so I think that's really That'd valuable. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, that would be so great. Ugh. But, you know, I understand we work at a small hospital there. That yeah. nurse probably would not get a lot or like have a boring day or, and, or night most of the time. So, <laughs> but I, you know, just to back up kind of a bit, you mentioned respiratory rate. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, ER physician mentioning that. And I think that is, I wrote that down in my notes because that's something like you might not consciously be like, oh, I need to count their respiratory rate. But when you're looking at a patient and you kind of have a feeling that something's up, I'm sure like 90 time, 90% of the time, the respiratory rate is one of the most noticeable features because yeah, yeah, that's like the first, like I said, our bodies are designed to compensate. Yeah. And then that actually, I I feel like is a really valuable piece of evidence. If you can write to a doctor and say, their respiratory rate's 34. People pay attention to that, you know? Yeah. It's, it's objective data, you know, that speaks to what you're feeling. Um, let me ask you this. Do you have any phrases or things that patient says that you're like, Oh God, like, uh, don't say that. I've literally said to a patient, like, don't say that right now. (laughs) Um, I don't know that I would like, I don't think I have anything that makes me feel like gives me the heebie-jeebies when they say it, but I think it just perks my ears up more. Like, Oh, you know, if someone says, I don't know, I just have a bad feeling or, you know, something ominous where they're feeling it about themselves. Um, yeah. And there's another one I know that you're going to say that it's the same. So you, you tell me some of yours because I agree with some. My two biggest ones are, I feel like I have to poop. Which I know sounds ridiculous, but I can I can think of immediately four scenarios where, you know, a patient was clinically declining and they'll say, like, I know this is really bad time, but I feel like I have to I have to poop. And I'm like, it's such a red flag for me. I don't know what what is going on physiologically. Maybe somebody knows and can let me know if this is real or not. But it has happened like Immediately, I think of four scenarios just off the top of my head where really, it was like, just, just like it's almost like part of the declining process. Like it's Makes their blood pressure poop. drops. They have to poop. They poop. 
And the second one, I know I did, might not make sense, but I mean, I had this one guy recently, I think I might've talked about it. He was a GI bleed. So that one makes sense. Like he felt like he had to poop, he passed gas and he must've like disrupted a clot that had formed on his uh, the intestinal wall because his blood truck, blood pressure, like he farted. It was the most foul smell. I've, it was not on my ass. It smells so bad. And then the next thing I look up, his blood pressure is like 64 over 28. Yeah. It, it coincided, but I've, I've had other situations where she, a lady, I'm trying to remember. She had a, a, a groin hematoma, if I remember and she kept saying all night that she had to poop and maybe she just had to poop maybe that was it but who knows the other thing like when they say they're like suddenly really warm or like it's really hot in here and i think it's from vaso like systemic vasodilation yeah but in a lot of like critical um fast-paced patients i've seen they've heard them say that are you touching something over there? I just keep hearing like a noise of some sort. <laughs> um, <laughs> phone's buzzing. Oh. I'm in a work group that is uh, way too involved with each other. <laughs> um, well, I thought one thing you were going to say is when patients say, I'm, I feel like I'm going to die. And like, oh, well, duh. <laughs> Yeah, That's a good line. Because sometimes people say that and they say it, you know, just out in everyday life. And I don't take it too seriously. But in the hospital, I tend that one tends to make me pay attention to them and not that patients should just say that and abuse it or anything. But like, um, yeah, I feel like patients know sometimes they know that something's happening, even if they yeah. don't know why or what it is exactly. So. We're, we're talking about nurses' intuition. Talk, I mean, patients' intuitions. People know their own body better than we do. We're just, you know, we're taking scraps of information that we can apply. But that's, all, yeah. I don't, I think I've only heard that been said twice. Oh, really? Yeah. I feel like I, I hear it said, a, not frequently, but a fair amount of the time. And usually when I've been on night shift, <laughs> which is like... <laughs> Great. <laughs> you all the drama queen patients because you're so good with them. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> Give them to Sarah. Well, lay down the law. <laughs> Obviously, I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, well, anything else that we want to say on the nursing intuition? Are you superstitious? Like, do you have, I have like a whole pre-work like no, ritual. no, not at all. And so I'm curious about this. Like, how did you get to be superstitious? Because I, I just, yeah, not I at all. Stem, I think mine stems from my like obsessive um, basketball fanaticism. Oh yeah, like, you, in the middle your underwear, all shift. <laughs> yeah, I, in the middle of a basketball game, I'm like, I gotta go change my shirt. You know, like something's up. Um, <laughs> And so it just translated into work. And I swear the last two awful, awful shifts I had, one was the night of the evacuation and the other actually was that GI bleed guy. I had gone to the bathroom around 4.30 and I looked at my phone and I was like, all right, two hours, I can do this. Just like jam it out. You got this. And then it all literally went to hell in a handsket. Well, figuratively, sorry. But wait, what was your, 
what what was the superstitious thing that night? Well, both nights I went to bath the bathroom at four thirty. I'm never oh, going to okay. the bathroom. Okay. Well, I can identify with that. There's one thing that's happened a couple of times over the past year, and it's that I'll be having a great shift on days and um, everyone's fine. Everyone's stable and fine. And so I feel good enough that when I'm discharging a patient, I can wheel them out on my own. I like to do it sometimes because I want to go outside and get a little fresh air. And twice it's happened that while I'm gone, one of my other patients tanked in some way. Like someone went into rapid AFib and someone else had like a really long pause. So, and I came back and everyone's like, where are you? So I told the charge nurse, I'm never discharging my own patient again, but that was a lie. It, it lasted for about a month or so. And then I, you know, I still want to go outside. Oh, really? I'm, I'm staunchly like, I will not um, fold on my superstitions. I wear <laughs> one of three necklaces every shift. I, um, I have one pair of new sneakers that I really like and I want to wear them but I've never really had a good shift with them. So I probably won't wear them again <laughs> to work. Uh, I like have to read, like I have like a daily positivity read I do in my car before shift. Wow. I do wow. like this. I it's, it's yeah, I'm a creature of habit and superstition and it's worked out for me in the, well, like 50, 50. So <laughs> Okay. I, this is off subject, but I do this when rafting sometimes. And maybe that's just, uh, because I've been a nurse for so much longer than I've been a raft guide. And that still really scares me, but there was, a we have these Kyle shirts. There's this other raft guide named Kyle out of a joke. We put his face on a shirt one year and everyone has a picture of Kyle on their shirt. Anyway, I used to wear his shirt, the Kyle shirt, every time I would guide the middle fork because I was scared. And he's like this big beast of a dude like he's super muscular and I was like yeah Kyle's my spirit animal and as long as I wear this shirt I'm fine and I did it for like you know two summers and then at the end of the summer last year I didn't wear the Kyle shirt and one day I swam a really bad swim in this you know waterfall and then another day um, is when I injured my knee so maybe I should be a little more superstitious sometimes it seems to pay off I mean I'm sure there's no peer-reviewed studies published about it oh actually you know i'm sure i'm sure there are and it discredits superstition but there's it's gonna hold strong in my belief system for the rest of my life keep wearing those necklaces <laughs> well you know what i've lost two of them on bad dates so oh, no that's the hey, ultimate they couldn't have been that luck. bad if you uh lost two necklaces <laughs> Okay, I revealed way too much in that scene. <laughs> Where did they go? Uh, I don't How know. did they get off of you? <laughs> Come on, let us um, let us ask people. You know, if you guys have any crazy superstitions, if you have any wild stories about nursing intuition, please, please get in touch with us. We love hearing about them. Um, you can contact us at www.nurses at gmail.com or get in touch with us on uh through social media um we have facebook which is uh whining w nurses and instagram which is whining with nurses we'd love to hear from you that's where we are should we do a quick whining and shining i know you had a, a wine you want to talk about yeah i already forget it but no no yes i i remember it now tell me 
okay, my wine is actually, I am not somebody that does well with a lot of free time, it turns out. And I know everybody went through this like back in March and April as like the world shut down, but it's just, it's okay. This is a safe place. Let it out. Tell us your experience. I've been not working for about a month now and you know, it was pretty sweet at first. Uh, but now as COVID numbers rise, I've been like trying to stick more, um, responsibly to social distancing guidelines and, it is so boring. I just, all day, the only rule I've been able to enforce on myself is that I have to work out before I open a bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> and that is, other than that, it's been total anarchy in my life. I had uh, pizza for breakfast today. I had uh, ice cream for lunch. And then uh, for second lunch, I, made, I heated up my leftover dinner from last night. <laughs> I just I'm like a 12 year old during the summer when her like parents leave for work I love that yeah. second lunch too <laughs> yeah. oh man mine's not too far off it's more just like uh okay I actually got out of the house a lot during COVID because I was working the whole time and including rafting and that's like my happy place, but now rafting season's over and I'm in the house a lot and there's nothing to do. There's nowhere to go. And it's me and Ryan and the cats and Ryan and I've been fighting sometimes. And we're just like, I think we, we need some space from each other and there's nowhere to go get that. Where are you going to go? Hmm? What, what are you going to do? I don't know. COVID. Dang it. Gosh. All right. So we, COVID. We, we just wallowed in. Like, well, so let's uh, climb out of this predictable it's rafting um <laughs> so i had i had a really great end of the summer i didn't get to do a ton of rafting just because i was visiting virginia some of it but towards the end of the summer i learned how to row so i'm not just paddle guiding now i can row my own boat uh that's had yeah, mixed row, success your boat gently down the street or gnarly in the white water <laughs> <laughs> Um, and we had this amazing end of the season trip for the raft guides that I work with um, at WET and our company paid for it, which was so just very generous. And it was on the main salmon in Idaho. So it was so cool to just like experience a new river and Ryan got to come. We had so much fun together and we got along really well. It was great. Cool. That does sound yeah. awesome. I want to see photos from that when you get a chance. I have so many. Um, <laughs> So my shining is actually more of a shout out. I, um, I have like this, uh, group text from friend, four friends of mine from that we've known each other since like grade school and we still keep in touch and they're just like total badass women all over the country and the world. Um, they have amazing impactful jobs and are super creative and I just, you know, they're great. And they've been so dedicated to the COVID guidelines. They're, none of them are in healthcare or the medical scene at all, or even, I don't think any of them have been personally affected by COVID, be it themselves or somebody or their family members, you know, but they are so strict and so um, diligent with social distancing guidelines and trying to be responsible, uh, responsible like citizen of the world to try to, you know, cut down on the numbers with the pandemic. And I just think that's awesome. So shout out to them. They're my, sh my shining moment for now. 
That is awesome. Good for them. It's hard to do, man. It's hard. And they, they acted recently, like, not th- that they called me out, but their diligence, like, what's that word? I can't think of the word, but like called me out sort of, you know, like I need to be especially diligent and responsible because I'm a member of the healthcare community that's being directly affected by this. And like, I know better than anyone else what COVID can do. Not anyone. Oh, I know the best, but I am somebody that has seen firsthand what COVID can do to a person. Yeah. I hear you. I I feel called out by other people's responsibility too. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Good job on your friends. Yeah. So anyways, cool guys. Uh, thanks for listening. We really appreciate you guys and would love to hear from you. Um, I'm, we I told love- you already. Yeah. I, was, <laughs> I just can't. I, I can't. So anyways, cheers. Cheers. Cheers.